This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will be another adapted OrthoBullets core webinar from the OrthoBullets core curriculum, and this one will cover the topic of distal biceps avulsion. The topic will be reviewed by Dr. Christopher Ahmad, who is the Chief of Sports Medicine and Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at Columbia University Medical Center, as well as the Head Team Physician for the New York Yankees. How's everybody doing? Feeling great, right? Distal biceps avulsions we're going to talk about next. It's a very hot topic for creating exam questions, and it's a fun area of anatomy to know. Distal biceps tendon rupture represents about 10% of biceps ruptures. That means that the proximal happens more often, proximal biceps ruptures. And it's most commonly men in their 40s. And the risk factors you can see here, anybody who's working out and putting a lot of stress on their tendon, particularly uh, people who are using performance-enhancing drugs. Smoking, as we know, has a bad effect on tendons. Hypovascularity has been noted in this area, just like other areas where we have tendon injuries. And there's intrinsic degeneration. There's anatomy here where you can get abutment against the uh, ulna, almost like impingement in the shoulder. The mechanism is an excessive eccentric tension as the arm is being forced from a flex to an extended position. So you're skiing, you pole plant, and then all of a sudden your elbow extends, or you go to lift something up, or you go to grab uh, somebody and help them from who might be falling to the ground to help them, and then you uh, unfortunately get these injuries. So it's in an area where there's not great bullet supply, and we talked about that mechanical attrition. So it can lead to symptoms of uh, median nerve compression if there's local swelling in that area. And another example of if you know the local anatomy and the nerves, you can predict what kind of nerve issues you can have with some of these conditions. So here's the anatomy in more detail. It inserts onto the radial tuberosity. The median nerve is the most medial structure. The brachial artery is in proximity along with the biceps tendon. The radial nerve, we need to know this, is the most lateral structure, and there's radial recurrent vessels. So the biceps tendon also has two distinct insertions. Sometimes you get a partial tear and you only have injury to one of these insertions. So the origin of the biceps approximately coracoid process, and you know that there's a flexor activity at the elbow as well as supination. So let's say that again. The biceps is a better supinator as any other muscle. If you lose your biceps, you're going to lose supination strength. And that's because it's off the axis of rotation. So if this is the radial head right here, and you got a biceps that's inserting off of the axis and you pull on it, it will rotate the radius. It's a very fun type of anatomy with the elbow. It's a hinge joint, but that pronation supination with the uh, biceps makes it a very interesting joint. So I mentioned the Lacertus fibrosis. It's distal to the elbow crease. The tendon gives off from its medial side along the bicipital aponeurosis and then goes into the biceps fascia. So sometimes an intact lacertus will stop that migration of the biceps after it's torn from going all the way up the arm. So lacertus passes obliquely across the cubital fossa running distally and medially. This anatomy here is also interesting because this lacertus can compress on the median nerve and you can get some median nerve symptoms. So don't mistake it for an intact distal biceps on clinical exam. That's the Lacertus. So any patient who comes in who's male, he's 40, and he says, I felt a pop when I tried to do something with my elbow, and they describe something that was an eccentric load, 
And if they have weakness and pain, primarily with supination, you can make the clinical diagnosis even if it hasn't migrated all the way up the arm. You may see that all the way up the arm, like that reverse Popeye sign where you see that Popeye muscle go all the way up the arm. Definite change in contour. This is an easy visual diagnosis. And then on exam, you'll see profound loss of supination more than flexion strength. In fact, this is a common question. This is a very common question. The question is, do you lose supination strength and how much? And you'll say, yes, I lose supination strength about 40% of supination strength. Okay, so here's the provocative test. This is one where it's fun to do on your own. So if you guys can see me, if you have your elbow, you can hook your elbow in a way where you put your finger and you can feel your own biceps here. That is the hook test. Elbow flex your shoulder in this abducted position and you keep your thumb up and you bring your index finger from the outside and try and hook it. So this is the finger going around from the lateral side and you hook the biceps. If you hook it, you know that it's not a complete tear. It may still be a partial tear. So here's the false positive. Partial tear intact with certus. And uh, sometimes you're mistakenly palpating or hooking the brachialis tendon. So as you get used to this exam, examining intact tendons, you'll get very good at it. Okay, so we talked about the hallmark physical exams. This is fun because if any of you who take care of Achilles tendon ruptures or are preparing for how to evaluate Achilles tendon. You know you do the Thompson test and you squeeze it. You can do the same at the biceps. Squeeze it and you can see if you get any uh, forearm supination. If you do it in pronation, you'll see what happens. So a positive test is failure to observe supination of the patient's forearm when you squeeze their bicep. Their arm's in a pronated position. It's completely analogous to the Thompson test. Imaging with an x-ray is typically normal may show a small fleck of bone, but it's typically normal. Here's an MRI scan strategy. The MRI includes the patient being positioned with elbow flexion, shoulder abduction, forearm supination. This will increase the sensitivity. In fact, it's called the FABS view. F for flexion, A for abduction, B for abduction, and S for supination. And that can help you especially distinguish a complete tear and a partial tear. So I actually always do an MRI of the elbow with a FABS view when it's rule out biceps tendon tear, especially those partial tears. And what's great about this, you get to see the biceps tendon all in one cut. It's like an ACL of the knee. So now we get to see it in one cut and it's much easier to distinguish the injury characteristics when you have it imaged in that way. Sagittals can also help you judge the degree of retraction. Non-operative treatment is supportive treatment followed by physical therapy. This is one of the areas where we almost always operate on the patient unless they have an extremely low sedentary lifestyle or they have some features of comorbidities where they do not need the operation in the face of risk of surgery. And so what happens with non-operative treatment as you lose supination strength, you see 40% supination strength, 30% flexion strength. So you lose more percentage of supination strength than flexion strength. This is a test question. Somebody says to you, hey, what if I don't get it fixed? Well, you have to educate your patient and say, you're going to lose supination and you're going to lose flexion strength and you're going to be very frustrated with supination. Okay, here's the treatment. Surgical repair of the tendon to the tuberosity. Young, healthy patients who do not want to sacrifice function. 
that is the typical situation and we like to do the surgery within a few weeks to avoid that chronic retraction up the arm which could make the surgery a little bit more challenging. Now here's a favorite part of this. This is the, we have two different approaches and we have a couple of fixation options and there's going to be questions on the approach because they have individual complications. The anterior single incision approach, front of the elbow, anterior incision, you find the tendon, you can suture it, and then you find the interval between the brachioradialis and the pronator teres, and then you can get access to the radius. But here's the issue. The PIN is in proximity, and it has to be gently retracted radially to get to the tuberosity. So the question is, will you get a PIN problem? And it's because of forceful lateral retraction. The arm is positioned in supination to deliver the biceps to the anterior part of the elbow. So here we go. Complications. Injury to the lateral antibrachycutaneous nerve. That lateral antibrachycutaneous nerve is the most common that's injured from traction. That's the most common problem. Consequence is low. It's usually transient, of course. Goes away in a few weeks. I tell every patient they're going to have a numb lateral forearm after this operation. The worse, which is a question that'll come up because it is very catastrophic, high consequence, is a radial nerve or PIN injury. Synostosis from an anterior uh, approach is less common than the posterior, but it's not that it's impossible to happen, especially if you're drilling and making holes for the fixation. And you can get heterotopic ossification in the tendon itself after the healing which can result in some level of chronic pain even though the thing is healed. So single versus double incision technique for repair of acute distal biceps tendon ruptures. This is an RCT. It's a randomized clinical trial published in JBGS. There were no significant differences. That's the bottom line. So I love doing them both ways but I do find that there's a little bit of opportunity to accelerated rehab with an anterior approach. So I tend to do it in an anterior approach. This is a little bit controversial, but you immobilize them. Now the strategy is to move them right away if you have strong fixation. But the principle here is avoid overstressing the biceps. So you don't want to have supination stress while it's healing or flexion stress. Okay, he's 28 years old. He sustains a distal biceps rupture while lifting a heavy table, and he undergoes surgery using a two-incision technique. Two-incision. What is the most likely neurologic deficit to occur as a complication of this approach? So let's, uh, let's just jump right into what the answer is. This is numbness to the anterior lateral aspect of the volar forearm. See, the, the question here is, what is the most likely neurologic deficit? And so it's the cutaneous nerve, even though the other nerves are much more catastrophic and high consequence. Dual incision. Let's talk more about it. Dual incision means anterior incision, find the tendon, then make a dorsal incision, gain access, easier to gain access in some ways to that radial tuberosity. You make a tunnel and you do transosseous drill holes and you fix it. Classic approach. So posteriorly, you have an interval between ECU and EDC. So you're going through the extensor tendons, getting into this area over here. What happens though during this approach, if you create dissection that irritates the ulna, you can get 
bone that forms between the ulna and the radius, and that'll cause a synostosis, and that'll cause a problem. So problems with the anterior approach with the PIN palsy we just said, you retract too heavily. So in this way, you don't have to retract so heavily from the back, and you can avoid injury to the PIN. The complication we already went over, we had a test question, a little bit unfair because you have to really concentrate on most common, but it's not high consequence. It's a cutaneous nerve that's usually transient. Synostosis, we also said, irrigate like crazy when you do this operation. Avoid bone debris, less dissection around the ulna, but the second incision is more consistent with risk of synostosis than the single anterior incision. Okay, so distal biceps fixation techniques. We can do it in different ways. Suture button, suture anchor, bone tunnel interference screw. Suture button is the strongest to an anterior approach. You can use the suture button. And in some ways, stronger fixations can allow you faster rehab. Patients like faster rehab. Two incision, when you go from the back where you have the bone tunnels, you have to expose the tuberosity. You make these bone tunnels, and then you use sutures thrown through the bone tunnels in the bony bridge. Both techniques, you can use suture anchors, you can put the anchor into bone, and then you can pass the sutures through the tuberosity. And there's even an option of intraosseous screw fixation. The radius is small in this area. Some recent reports are showing some osteolysis concerns around the uh, screws placed in that area. So a little bit controversial, but it is an uh, option. Here's something interesting. Chronic rupture. What happens? The patient gets to you late. These ruptures that are chronic may have inability to get the biceps to its radial tuberosity because it's become scarred and immobile. So hyperflexion does not lead to loss of elbow range of motion or flexion uh, contraction. So what does this mean? If you have inability to get your elbow flexed approximately 40 degrees, the answer is you should think of an interpositional allograft. But in general, it really depends on tendon quality. What I mean, you have a good tendon, maybe you can cheat a little bit. Okay, let's go with the question. A young, healthy male undergoes distal biceps repair and sustains an iatrogenic nerve injury during the procedure. Which of the following clinical findings are most likely to be seen in this uh, circumstance? So we're talking about a nerve injury, so we have to first know what the nerve possibilities are lateral antibachy cutaneous nerve. We mentioned the PIN a bunch of times. So inability to extend the thumb, lateral volar uh, forearm numbness, inability to flex the finger, medial vol volar forearm numbness, and dorsal thumb weakness. What do you guys like? I know what you like. You like the numbness. That's the lateral antibrachy cutaneous nerve, most common. I tell every patient they're going to get it. Transient. Okay, here it is outlined for you beautifully lateral antibachy cutaneous nerve, radial nerve, PIN, heterotopic ossification with synostosis. In fact, you didn't see anything about failure of it to heal. It's actually rare for it not to heal. It heals very well. That's all for this review on distal biceps avulsions. If you would like access to the full video version of these core webinars, sign up for the OrthoBullets core curriculum today. There will be a link in the show notes for anyone who is interested. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. 
It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.